We are Chris and Beth Bruno, and this is the Walking With Podcast. We lead a team of brave and brilliant story work counselors and coaches around the country, all committed to helping you come alive. Join us as we explore the sacred landscape of the human heart at the intersection of theology, psychology, and ministry. We're in a series on relationships with those who are often not in the mainstream conversation when it comes to relationships. And today we're joined by one of our spiritual counselors, Chris Flippin, whose expertise is in sexual abuse recovery. And her heart is all about walking with women through a restoring of their past. You can learn more about Chris over at restorationcounselingnoco.com slash Christina dash flippin and of course anything else you need to know about us on the same site or visit our digital laboratory site at restorylabs.com the space to come alive via courses memberships webinars and more here's our conversation with chris hi chris and welcome to the podcast we're glad you're here with us we're glad you're on our team and we just want to start off by hearing a little bit about you just tell us like a little bit about who you are and what motivates you to do the work that you do with us. Thank you. I'm looking forward to being part of the podcast and participating. I love being a spiritual counselor at Restoration Counseling. And about myself, I um, started informally. I was looking at my calling as a counselor, and I think it began informally probably over 20 years ago, because I would get referrals from pastors to meet with women in crisis, and just my work um, as a nurse working in maternal fetal medicine, frequently I had um, women talking to me about their life story, their experiences, and um, it was just something in me that um, I loved listening to their life story, what their experiences are, and what was causing a crisis or a time where they needed to meet with someone. And so um, about 20 years ago, I began leading support groups for women who had abuse and trauma, and then started looking at my own story. And that um, great, gave me a greater understanding of God's presence in my story and redemption. And I think that that was a turning point in me is a better understanding of what he offers each of us, um, the redemptive work and being able to really embrace and feel comfortable in my skin with myself. And that just um, drove me to get more training and uh, make myself available to women um, in doing story work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We talk a lot about story work here. Um, It's, it's the, the method that, that we focus on as a counseling center. But I wonder if you could just kind of dive into that a little bit more and talk about what that looks like for you and your work with women in particular. What does it look like to restory a life? 
Well, what I frequently find with women when I've met with them individually or in groups is that they'll usually come in with um, a desire to better understand why are they in the repeated pattern of behavior. And what happens is um, in our stories, um, whether we have child, adverse childhood experiences, any level of trauma, sexual abuse, um, abandonment, powerlessness in our situations, um, the inability to speak out as a child, and lack of understanding as a child also in our family of origin, we, it sets us up for how we relate in life, our relational style, and then we bring that into our present lives and with our spouses or partners, children, grandchildren, and it continues on where we may feel we're trapped. And frequently I'll meet women my age who feel like it's just too late and they have regrets. And that's something I love to talk to women about is not living with the regrets or the reactionary type of living where they react in a situation, but having intentional decision-making. Um, so the past, we do carry it into the present and restory is writing a new ending. We don't have to continue down that path. And so that's um, how I would define doing restory work. Chris, on the Restoration Counseling uh, blog, you wrote a blog recently. And I love one of this. I love all of what you wrote. But one of the sentences really stands out to me. And you, you wrote, um, the past contains messengers that have something to teach us about our heart's desires, which are worth exploring and cultivating. And I wonder if you can unpack that a little bit, both the idea of the past having messengers, and then what might it actually mean to explore and cultivate desires? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes. The messengers, the desires in our hearts, the longings we have, I believe are God given. Mm -hmm. And so many times the hopes and dreams of a young girl are set aside, but they're still there. And cultivating it is, um, I guess, a gardening term. So you're breaking up fallow ground, looking at it, and giving it new life in the sense of better understanding those desires are still there. And when a woman starts to do that work, those are messengers from the past they're still there, the desires, and they're still surfacing. They're surfacing in where she's at, and then also surfacing that what I find in doing story work is a woman may not really fully understand the presence of God in her story and um, his spirit and what is moving. And I love that part about being a spiritual counselor because I can incorporate, um, I love the term, psycho-spiritual type of dynamics in that counseling room. So um, in looking at a woman's story, those messengers are um, her identity, what she believes about herself, the desires that were closed off, and we start looking at them. We start cultivating, exploring those, mm -hmm. connecting dots. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your career as a nurse and how your career as a nurse really informed the work that you do 
as a counselor now? Early on in my, um, I was applying to nursing school and I was first exposed to um, a little 16 year old girl. I was actually working in medical records and walking around with the birth recorder and went to go into her room. This is back, um, gosh, um, in the a late 70s. A long time ago. A long, time ago. <laughs> a long, long time ago. <laughs> but we walked into this room and the birth clerk, I was carrying all the paperwork and documenting what she wanted to name her baby. And the tragedy of what happened to this young girl is that she looked at her biological father in the corner of the room and said, ask him. It's his child. And the exposure, and for whatever reason, it stayed with me. And then working with um, women, labor and delivery, maternal fetal medicine, I came across women with um, sexual abuse, um, trauma in their lives, intimate partner violence, and it led me to become get trained as a sexual assault nurse examiner, and that's how I chose to finish my nursing career because I felt I could use those skills um, in my nursing um, in the setting, but um, I couldn't. I had to be very respectful of following the boundaries and the guidelines that are set within the hospital system. And so being able to have the freedom to be a spiritual counselor, I can explore not only the psychology of our humanness, how someone responds to life, life circumstances, whether it's fear, shame, um, addictions, obsessions, lack of control or desire for control. Um, those are just normal parts of our human personality coming out to try to understand and make sense of life. But then also the dynamics of our spirituality and exploring that with someone, where they're at in their faith, um, spiritual longings, doubt, forgiveness, um, understanding prayer, the mystical part, of spirituality, how God shows up differently for all of us. And I love that. I love the privilege of sitting with someone to explore that, um, those areas, and both um, give us a roadmap to their soul. And I just accompany them um, in that journey. So that strikes me that you've had a career of meeting women at the precipice of their risk taking whether it was coming, deciding to come in for the test, um, the STD test or the rape kit test, or I mean, all of the things that you've witnessed as a huge risk on their part, a huge courageous and bold move. Mm -hmm. And now you're hearing, you're hearing stories and you're seeing women take a risk to enter in to a story, to a, to a past, and to cultivate dry and fallow ground in hope of something new to come from it. And it's, it feels very thematic. As, a, as I hear you talk about the history of your career, it's no surprise that that's woven 
itself together. Yes. That's the redemption in my life. Um, areas that were desolate um, and now bearing fruit where um, it's sacred work to sit with that woman, offer them prayer, um, mm-hmm. to listen to them. Yeah, it's a privilege. Yeah, it is. It is sacred. It's holy. And it's, it's a scary decision, isn't it? Mm-hmm. How do you walk people through the fear of those initial kind of risky moves for them to take? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the years of nursing, um, especially um, labor and delivery, when you meet a woman for the first time, and it's always such a special moment for that couple. Sometimes scary. Um, sometimes there's a lot of other circumstances involved. Um, but um, I have a comfort level meeting with women and making them feel comfortable. I think that that was just a gift. Um, I was trained in it. I could walk into a room and um, help a woman in one of the most precious times of her life. And then I can I carry that into when I first meet them, even on Zoom. It's <laughs> one of the things that um, has been interesting to me is um, being able to build relationship, look into someone's eyes, and I sense that they feel comfortable with me. I feel it's a gift from God. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. how else to answer no, that. I feel it too, yeah. just sitting here looking at you and, <laughs> and talking with you. There is a, um, a nurturing, a good bedside manner. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. Yeah. You know, Chris, I think one of the things that we've opened here in this conversation is the area of sexual abuse. And that initial story you told of that 16-year-old girl mm-hmm. after she delivered her child, and it was, you know, the child was the result of, of a, you know, abusive incest. And mm-hmm. um, I'm wondering if, I mean, that's a big topic that, right, for this conversation is just way too big to even begin to scratch the surface on. But as as one of our sexual abuse recovery specialists here at Restoration Counseling, I'm wondering if that story, if something has come up for someone as they're listening to this conversation and listening to your heart for women who have walked through abusive situations, what would you want to say to that person? What would you want to say to them listening to this right now? I would encourage them not to keep it set aside, no matter how many years it's been, that um, the exploring that, um, it's painful to look back. And definitely in story work, we're just not, it's not a passing glance at the back. Um, but being able to look back and name what was going on in that situation um, situations that change us Um, we become a different woman um, if we have abuse men also men also Um, I've worked with men women and children of abuse and it changes us but I would encourage anyone no matter how long it's been to um, look at the past because it's still impacting their life, their view of themselves and how they're functioning. And it's very subtle. 
it's interesting how, um, I'm, I'm not quoting this exactly from Dan Allender, but evil comes in to steal the truth of our sexuality, um, the beauty of our sexuality. And so when that happens to a man, a woman, a child, it sets them on a trajectory and they feel um, as though they cause it themselves. They feel uh, responsible, um, whether it's the college student who's told me I had a fake ID, I drank one too many beers, it's their fault. Um, the woman who um, responds to a man who says, I just want to talk, can you come over? Uh, I've, um, I have so many... Um, stories of situations where um, the desire for relationship and the desire um, to explore relationship is never permission for someone to take advantage um, of the other, whether it's a man or a woman. And so um, I would encourage a man or a woman who has been the victim of abuse to consider exploring how that trauma is still impacting their soul, how they're still carrying it in their soul. Yeah. You know, and I, I hear you say that, and um, a lot of people that I've talked to in the work I've done around sexual abuse is that people are like, well, that's, I love that you said it's never too late and, and however long ago it was, right? That, um, those, that was when I was a kid, you know, I'm in my 40s, 50s, 60s now, I've put all that stuff behind me. Why would I want to um, kind of dig up that coffin that I have lit, you know, put into the grave, I've buried it in the backyard, I don't want to think about it anymore, why would I come back to that? And I think what you're saying is, is that there never really is a full burying. No. Right? There never is a full departure from what the trauma was um, and it shapes who we are and how we engage the world in relationship. And what mm -hmm. would it be like for us to actually imagine that there is more freedom for us than we've ever known? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's what you're inviting people into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're always carrying that baggage mm -hmm. and whether it's a large suitcase or small or whether we pack things in there neatly and think I'm never going to look at it again, or it was thrown in there and we think that's it. You know, that's just part of my life. Um, but each of us have such value in the way we were created. You know, we reflect the image of God and that gets tarnished. Um, it, there's a lie that perpetrates that you're not enough. Um, you did something wrong. It's part of the um, fault is in you. And you can't go back and change it. Well, those are lies. We can't go back and change it, but we can have better understanding and how that is still um, a current. There's an undercurrent in our lives. And unfortunately, sometimes that current could be like a riptide where it's not addressed and then it can just suck life out of someone and suck them down. If you've ever been caught in riptide, it's a force that you cannot push away on. I mean, I know that from experience, it's difficult to get out of. And um, that's what I think happens when we don't look at um, the tragedy of what's happened in our story at any level. 
within our family of origin or experiences um, that there's still that undercurrent and at times it can hold us down. We can't even breathe when you think about it. This has been a rich conversation full of metaphors. Mm -hmm. I think I've picked up on at least three or four that we've unpacked. (laughs) What a great way of describing a really difficult topic. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to undercut the the heaviness, the weight of what we're talking about by any means. But Chris, thank you so much for offering your presence um, to to our spaces because it's, it's a blessing. I have a complete departure from this, a funny question for you. Mm -hmm. And that is in the last months of being completely virtual and doing work on zoom, what has been the funniest, oddest, weirdest thing that has happened to you? Well, I, I thought about that. And the first thing that came to mind was one of my clients. Um, she actually has to get a babysitter for her kids. And um, she's in the basement alone with me. But um, she's had a three-year-old little daughter who wandered in at our prayer time and um, bowed her little head and held her little hands together and prayed next to her mommy. And that was so beautiful. Oh. I had to share that. That's what came to mind. That's precious. Yeah. It was precious, yeah. But I've been introduced to dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Little dogs held up, and I right? love it. Yes, we've seen a lot of pets during <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, thanks so much for being with us today, Chris. 